Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food, the culture, and the people of the state of Israel. Um, Hey, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you get all the brand new episodes as they come out. And uh, if you want to take us with you to... I don't know, the gym, on your run, on your walk. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, All right. Hey, welcome to the show. This is going to be, this is a cool episode. This one, I had to kind of troll through the history books. This one is on the Palmach. Um, Now, this is a two-parter. I'm going to go over the first part of... The history of the Palmach, and uh, in the next episode, I'll uh, I'll go over the second part, and I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to cut off. I want it to be a surprise. All right, so the uh, the Palmach is, and I got it written here, and the lighting's iffy. No, the lighting's fine, and uh, Palmach is a uh, it's an abbreviation and abbreviations in Hebrew are so weird because they pick like, not just like we do an abbreviation, we do like an, an acronym, um, which is, we'll take like CIA, Central Intelligence Agency or FBI, and we'll use the first letter and boom, we're done. But in Hebrew, they don't always do that. And that's evidenced in the name Palmach, which is a an, an abbreviated plugot machats which means strike force and uh they were the mobilized and some say and i'm going to tell you why i i have i kind of have questions about this mobilized strike force elite strike force of the haganah now the reason i have questions about that is because it is the elite part because i've I, I know a little bit about the Haganah, and I know a little bit about the Palmach. And so the Palmach is made up of volunteers, just like any other strike, like high-end strike force. Green Berets, you, you, you gotta, you, you've got to uh, request. Um, Navy SEALs, even on submarines, you have to volunteer to go. They can't just send you. So it's comprised of volunteers. These were all kids, okay? Um, I think the elite part comes in the description because of the strides that they made and the the uh, the challenges that they overcame in order to gain their victories, which, yes, is amazing. But I don't know if it necessarily rises to the point of a, say, a, uh, a special forces. So... From what I understood, from what I understood from my research and what I understand um, in general is that the Palma, the Haganah, okay, 
the precursor to the IDF, was a um, stationed force. So let's say you had a kibbutz or you had a town. You would have a Haganah element inside the town, and they were responsible for that area. The Palmach, on the other hand, were a mobilized um, force, meaning that they could go anywhere in um, mandatory Palestine. Okay, because that's the time that they existed was during the palace, uh, the uh, the British mandate for Palestine. Um, so they were. I, I, I and I'm sorry if I'm really ticking anyone off, but I don't know that they were necessarily elite as much as they were just really freaking capable, um, which is fine. Um but anyways, so that's my little beef with descriptions of the Palmach. So the Palmach were a the mobilized arm of the Haganah, um, which was the defense force for pre-state Israel uh, uh, and the defense force of the Jewish administration in mandatory Palestine. So they were established on May 14, 1941 by the Haganah. High Command. That sounds so intense. The Haganah High Command. Um, in coordination with uh, the British General Headquarters. So that was, I think that was in Egypt. The The British General Headquarters for the Middle East was in Egypt. Um, and that is going to become important later on. Um, so there job was to defend the Palestinian Jewish community. Again, I mentioned this before. Palestinian was were was anyone who lived within the mandate. They were Jews, they were Arabs, they were Christians, all of them according to British authorities were Palestinian. If that was your residence, your residence was inside mandatory Palestine, um then you were Palestinian. So, their job was to defend the Palestinian Jewish community against the occupation of Palestine by the Axis in the event of their victory over the British in North Africa. So remember I said May 14, 1941. So they were established during World War II. Um, and their second uh, directive of organization was if the British army were to retreat from Palestine, Jewish settlements might come under attack from the Arab population. So the Haganah high command wanted to protect Jews in mandatory Palestine um, in case the Nazis came or the Italians came or the Vichy French, French or um, they wanted to protect if the British retreated. Um, because, as I said, this was their home. This was where they established residence. So, um, the Palmach, as part of this, they engaged in um, joint operations with the British and the Australians um, against the French forces, the French Vichy forces, in Lebanon and Syria. And this is pretty interesting because one of my super-duper heroes is Moshe Dayan. Um, the father of the IDF. And Moshe Dayan was in a unit with um, Palmach forces and the British 
uh, it, when he w lost his eye in Lebanon, um, when he was shot standing on top of a police station while he was looking through his binoculars. So it, I, it was never clear in the, autobiog or in the biography that I read as to whether or not he was a part of the Palmach, but I think he was a part of the Haganah. But I'm going to tell you in a little while why that's not that weird um, because of his rank. Hold on. I'm going to have a, have a sip of coffee. Peter Madera, this coffee is for you. Give me one moment. Mm -mm. All right. That is awesome. All right. So, so the second battle of El Amin in... Um, I think that was in Sinai, in 1942, uh, the British won, the Allies won, okay? So in 1941, the Palmach is established, and the British are, oh, good, oh fine, oh, boy. they're really cool with it, they got, they've got no problem. Um, then, um, the Axis threat is neutralized, so they order because it's mandatory uh british mandatory palestine and the british pretty much do whatever they feel is fit <laughs> uh in their conquered lands so to speak um and they order the disbanding and the dismantling of the palmak okay so all right we're going to uh have you guys stand down the british say but don't worry about it we'll take care of you we'll keep you safe well i'm sorry the jews of mandatory palestine we're not on board with this uh my nose itches i'm sorry if you're watching this um we're not on board with this um they knew from the riots in 1929 and the other pogroms that occurred that the british weren't really there to protect them very much and i'm not I, I i don't know if i have my dates right but uh the the white paper the british white paper which stopped all aliyah into uh into what would become israel basically was a death sentence by the british uh for the jews who were pushed away at the shores so so they went underground the Palmach um, went to the Kibbutzim. Now, I have some interesting information here. There is a gentleman named Yitzhak Dabenkin, and he was the head of the Kibbutz Union, the union of all the Kibbutzim uh, kibbutzes, but they're Kibbutzim in uh, Hebrew. That's the plural. Um, he was the head of the Kibbutz Union, HaKibbutz, and they were um they were like uh, it was the socialist conclave so they were a union of kibbutz states so to speak that's the best way to describe it now he suggested the palmach um could since they didn't have funding anymore they were getting funding from the british in order to maintain themselves and to train why don't you come to the kibbutzim why don't you come and live on have each kibbutz have a different squad or platoon or unit and there they could um there they could have the mem they could they could be useful 
they could be fed, they could be housed, and it was actually pretty brilliant. I mean, pretty ingenuitive. Um, so that's exactly what they did. And they wound up, uh, starting in August 1942, each kibbutz hosted, and I'm pretty sure each one of them did, if if one or two of them didn't, let me know. I don't, I don't know about that. Each kibbutz hosted a Palmach platoon and supplied them with food, lodging, and resources. Um, in turn, each platoon safeguarded the kibbutz, so they were like the Haganah in terms of keeping the kibbutz safe, and they, but they also carried out work. So let's say you were, um, you have a, an orange farm on this kibbutz and you need ditches dug i don't know what you would need for uh, an orange farm but say you needed ditches dug or you had cattle and you needed you know fences built so that you you have this this workforce that in their free time not free time in their work time they can go do this and they can help you and it's an added benefit to the kibbutz which of course benefits what will eventually become the state now they did this in a schedule of eight training days um, where they would train in military maneuvers, in explosives, in firearms, in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, going back to the Krav Maga episode with Emi um, Lichtenfeld. Uh, so I'm sure he went to these kibbutzim and taught a bunch of these Palmach members how to uh how to how to fight how to defend themselves hand to hand um they uh they got eight training days they had 14 work days so half the month they had to work you know like i said building uh fences ditches housing all that stuff and then they got seven days off that's a lot of time off that's that's uh what is that that's one two three that's almost that's almost four whole weekends so that's pretty great um and this training was called hakshara oh let me see this meguyeset meguyeset hakshara meguyeset and it's drafted recruit training and it was their program of combined military training agricultural work and zionist education and so that's what the the workday schedule and everything that they did was called. It was called Hakshara Meguyeset. I'm slaughtering this. <laughs> Meguyeset. All right. So we're just going to step away from that. <laughs> so what, what's cool about this is part of this program became eventually um, the basis for Nahal, which is the national service. Um, so not everyone goes into the IDF because of religious reasons, because of physical reasons, because of whatever, their reasons. But they go to Nakhal, and this is where this service came from. I think that's pretty uh, pretty cool. It's got you may not be doing the work of the the super duper you know infantry or tank squadron, but the service that you are doing. It the way for it was paved by one of the bravest and most effective fighting forces on the on the planet, so Palmach. So that's pretty cool. Um, now, 
they were no longer so this is where it gets kind of fuzzy for me in the uh in the research and i i have a couple of videos that you guys can check out um but most of that deals with the stuff that i'm going to be discussing in the second episode um which is going to be how they uh operated during during the war for independence and the build-up to the war for independence um that pretty much what is that that two-year period before um 46 47 and 48 um that's what the second episode is going to be about what i'm going to talk about right now though and this is why i say i'm confused they were disbanded and they went underground okay now the haganah did not disband and there were other groups within the purview umbrella of the haganah which were the irgun under zev jabodinsky um and i menachem begin was was he irgun yeah he was uh, because there's another group lechi which is the stern gang and i don't think uh, Menachem Begin was part of the Stern Gang. I think he was part of Irgun, but if I'm wrong, I will correct it and I'll let you know. So, Zev Jabotinsky, he was what's called a revisionist Zionist, meaning we need to revise what Zionism is, not we're revising what it was. Or maybe that is what he was doing. He was revising, he, he was making it something new. He was saying that it needed to be more active, needed to be more um, in control of the land. So the Irgun was the military arm of revisionist Zionism. And they didn't believe in, in Ben-Gurion and Golda Meir's defense strategy, which was what the Haganah was. It was, uh, it was an instrument of defense, okay? The Palmach, which was part of the Haganah, was not an instrument of defense. It was an instrument of action, which is where I get really confused because, and this, but see, this is something that is confuses a bunch of people even still to this day. How can you say that the Irgun, which you disavow, um, is non- it is, it is is not part of us, but you um, celebrate the Palmach, which does essentially the same thing. Now, notice I didn't say Lehi or the Stern Gang because the Stern Gang did some really bad things. They did some horrible things. Uh, they went after innocent people. And that's just, it doesn't matter what side you're on. Um, that's, and, and they also, the Stern Gang said, were terrorists. The Palmach didn't consider themselves terrorists. They consider themselves a standing army. So, um, as a so this is where it gets weird, because I said that it was disbanded and it went underground, but um, they were involved in a joint operation with the British to liquidate the Irgun um, in response to Lord Moyne's. Uh, who was the minister resident for the Middle East for Britain, who was out of Egypt. That's where they, that office sits out, sat out of. Um, and 
from from what I read, the Irgun assassinated him. Um, but Lord Morton, see, this is where it gets confusing because there are so many, so people interchange words without any regard for um, historical accuracy. So one of the things, uh, so the Palmach worked with the British in order to go after the Irgun based on the assassination of Lord Moyne by Lehi. So basically what it sounds like is that um, the Haganah considered anything that Lecky did, the Stern Gang, um, they considered the Irgun responsible for them, which is weird because all of the research that I've done on the Stern Gang, Stern Gang and the Irgun is that they went their separate ways and that they didn't, um, they didn't authorize or condone a lot of the acts that were done by the Stern Gang, the, that, that the Irgun didn't authorize um, the movements and actions of the Stern Gang. So, um, but Lord Moyne had stated in Parliament that he was opposed to the establishment of specifically a Jewish army, uh, a specifically Jewish army units in the Middle East, partly because he wanted to avoid um, offending Arab sensibilities. This all changed, though, um, at the end of the war, because at the end of the war, and I know I'm jumping around a little bit, mm, sipping coffee, sorry about that. And, and I, I get frustrated with this part of history because for a couple of reasons, I get frustrated with the Haganah, uh, Irgun struggle and the Stern Gangs subversiveness and all of this because up specifically because of the story of the Palmak and how you have these kids who just flew over uh, or took boats from Europe to or from uh, from the United States good Jewish kids men and women uh Palmak was one third of Palmak forces were were female were women that's awesome that's amazing um, but I get really upset that all of this, all of this politics, Israeli politics goes back to even before Israel was a state. So it's just frustrating because it becomes part of the story and it, it taints the story to some degree. And also from what I understand, according to a couple of scholars, some of the things that we've heard the stories of, not just the Irgun, but the stories of the Haganah. Not necessarily, necessarily Palmach, but all of these other organizations, these fighting units, fighting groups, um, the stories that we know aren't necessarily true or the things, the condemnation that people had um, wasn't actually real. That at the time, they didn't condemn it. They just put out a statement that they condemn it to cover their butts. Took us. So... Um, I know that was a little bit of a rant. I know I went off onto a little bit of a tangent. But um, in October, 
David Ben-Gurion decided to launch an armed struggle against the British. Um, they had won the war. They wanted... Um, <coughs> they wanted... They wanted to have their own place. And I think that there was a lot... Some say it was the... Uh, the white paper that restricted... Some say it was the white paper that restricted immigration into Israel and sent a lot of Jews to their deaths. Um, but also the fact, but I mean, specifically that I, I think the, the Jews living in mandatory Palestine had had enough, you know, they had been, the British had been directly responsible. They had blood on their hands. They had been directly responsible for sending Jews who could have been saved to Auschwitz and to the countless other um, concentration camps. Um, so, all of the groups, the Ergun, and this is why I get frustrated about it, the Ergun, the Stern Gang, Lehi, um, the Haganah, and apparently there were more groups they all got together and they uh, became what's called the Hebrew Resistance Movement. And in October 10th, Yitzhak Rabin raided a prison um, and he freed 208 prisoners, Jewish prisoners, because what they were doing is the British were doing raids and arresting people because ammunition was illegal, guns were illegal, um, having firearms. Now that Palmach had been officially disbanded. Any activity and actions that they were doing were illegal. So they would, <coughs> excuse me, they would engage in raids. And all of this culminated um, in what became Black Sabbath. And Black Sabbath, also known as Operation Agatha, in June 1945, um was a raids constant raids just going and hitting hitting the jewish underground the hebrew resistance movement everywhere that it could all the kibbutzim um all the secret stashes all the secret places um but this was in response to uh in 1946 <coughs> excuse me i'm sorry about this um or no, sorry, October 31st, 1945, the Palmach sunk three British patrol boats, two in Haifa and one in Yafo, as well as, are you ready for this? A string of 153 bomb attacks on bridges and culverts in the British railway station. Uh, they, actually, the, the railway station system that had been established by uh, the Ottomans and taken over by the British. So there were all these bomb attacks. Transportation was in shambles. And in February of 1946, they attacked a police fort, the Palmach did, with a 200-pound bomb. Boom, holy crap. And then engaged in a firefight um, with the British. They suffered quite a few casualties. Um, and... In June of 1946, right before uh, Black Sabbath, Operation Agatha, Palmach blew up 10 of the 11 bridges connecting to Mandatory Palestine. From 
uh, that were going to neighboring countries like Lebanon, Jordan, uh, all of that. And in one of them, uh, the Akziv Bridge to Lebanon, they suffered 12 Palmach deaths. Um, and so it was, it was, this was out now guerrilla warfare. They were going after the British hard and they were trying to get them the hell out of mandatory Palestine, make it not worth their while to stay there. So the Palmach were really, really pushing, pushing, pushing. But uh, the Hebrew resistance movement pretty much fell apart. Um, in 1946, when the King David Hotel was bombed by Lehi, and that led to David Ben-Gurion severing ties um, with all of these different groups. And that's when um, pretty much the Haganah became its own organization with the Palmach under it. Um, and that's uh, that's pretty much it for that part of the story. We're going to go into the run-up in the next part of the story. We're going to go up uh, into the next two years, 47, uh, the end of 46, 47, and 48, and which, of course, takes us right into the War for Independence um, and some stellar, amazing stories about the Palmach. I just wanted to give you a background of who the Palmach was. I know I got off on a little bit of a tangent um, complaining about the Irgun and Lehi and just, it's such a frustrating part of the story. And having been in the military, it's really, really just, oh, you know what I mean? Makes you grind your teeth, but what are you going to do? All right, um, that's it for this episode. If you like this episode, please leave a like. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you uh, so you stay in the loop and you get the second part of this episode. Um, also, if you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. And for those of you who don't know, our Kickstarter campaign is running. And as of today, we have 24 days left. We have two backers. We're trying to hit $25,000. So that we can, uh, so that we can get these Hebrew flashcards out to you. Um, you guys need them. These things are great. Help us invest in our flashcards. Um, invest in teaching people Hebrew. Um, be a part of it. All right. All right. All right. All right. That's it. Todoba, leitrot ve yalla bye. Yadi 
ביקשתי, בידע אחזתי, היא כמו חלום שלא נגמר. רצות שאלתי, שליבי נתתי, הושעתי לפרח הנשאר.